today is the official launch for One Month to Live. Is anybody even mildly excited about that today? I am. I love what I get to do. Uh, you will see me get passionate. I can sometimes spit as I'm preaching because I just get, I get into this. I genuinely love it. But there are also moments that just stand out as kind of interesting or fun when you're putting together a message every week. Uh, I get to do a lot of research, and obviously I'm meeting with people, but there's, often, there's just a lot of work that you're doing putting together a message. And this was one of those fun moments, putting together the first opener, uh, the intro to One Month to Live. And in doing a little work on the area that we live I don't know if you knew this, but I did not know that people have been living in this Kennesaw area since the 1830s. Did anybody know that? Did everyone else know that except me? Raise your hand if you knew that. You, whatever. I don't believe that. You didn't know that. I didn't realize that. That's almost 200 years. Just hang on to that for a second. People have been living here in this region of the United States for nearly 200 years hundred years. That's a, that's a lot of time. I can't help in putting together a message or finding out information like that. I can't help but wonder what their lives were like. If you go to the uh, train museum just down the road and you see old pictures of the railroad and people working on it, etc., etc., you get a glimpse into their lives and I can't help but wonder, what did they think about? What did they talk about over dinner? What were their pressures? What were their pains? What were they stressed out about? What was, what was a win for them? What were their dreams? What did they value? What was church like? I can't help but wonder. I love that you can leave the parking lot of this school and drive about a mile to two miles and find yourself in a cemetery where there are grave markers and tombstones with dates on it dating back to the 1800s. You can literally see a glimpse of, of just what's left. And their life, while not trivial by any means, is reduced ultimately on a tombstone to two numbers and a little dash. Started here, ended here, and there was something in between. And I can't but help but wonder what that in-between was like. How did they live that dash? Because when you really boil down our life, that's what it is. It's a dash. It's a moment for us to live and live well. How did they live their dash? How are you living your dash? Are you actually living the dash or are you dashing to live? Because there's a big difference. And many of us get stuck and find ourselves in a trap, not truly living out the life that God has intended for us between those two numbers, but we're just dashing to live. We're just existing. We wake up and the plates just start spinning and we go to bed, we wake up, we go to bed, we wake up, and there's never an engagement with God and what he would truly have for your life. Are you living the dash today? Think about that for a second. We don't have control over a whole lot of things. Sometimes we 
we think we have a lot more control than we do. And we try to have a lot more control than we do. But you didn't get to control uh, who your parents were. If you did, come talk to me after service because that's crazy. Uh, you didn't get to control where you were born. You didn't get to control uh, what house you grew up in. You, didn't get to, you don't get to control how long your life is. As much as you can do your part to, to make it healthy and fruitful, at the end of the day, only God knows how long we are here on this planet. We don't get to control what are the number of our days. The only thing that you and I have a lot of control over is how we live that dash. How are you living your dash? Are you truly living it? Or are you just dashing to live? Trying to make it, trying to survive, trying to wake up another day. What's it look like for you? Now, I know everybody's getting quiet because it feels like this is a morbid series. Are we going to talk about death, you know, for four or five weeks? No, we're not. But I want you to understand this for a second. Understanding that there's an end in mind helps bring actually a lot of clarity and focus for how you live right now. Knowing that there is an end to this life. There's a point at which you won't be living. And so because that's true, we're not focusing on that or the end times in this series. The point is to accept that and realize, you know what? Knowing that that's true, this should give me freedom and clarity and focus to live this life to the best of my ability. To make it count. Your life can matter. Your life can and should count. It can be significant, whether you are in high school, college, whether you are in middle school, whether you are, are, are 55 or whether you're 15 or whether you're 85, your life matters. It has significance and God has great plans and purposes for you. And that's good news today. But if you're just dashing to live, it can feel a little overwhelming. And so the point of this series, ladies and gentlemen, while I officially welcome you to it one more time, is to help us live the fullest life possible. And we're going to do that by focusing on it over the next 30 days. Here's what you do. Ask yourself this question. What would you do if you had one month to live? What would you do? Amy got some ice cream. My wife Amy got, I mean, I know I shouldn't share this, but I will. <laughs> you know, we're, I, I, I'm sitting on the couch. Everything's ready for today. And she goes to the fridge and we've got some, well, I won't get into the details of it, but it's just some ice cream. And I was like, honey, no, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> I'm working on my figure here, you know. She says, honey, if you had one month to live, would you eat it? And I said, I sure would. Bring me a cone. Let's do this thing. So, okay, joking aside, I realize this can't apply to every decision that you make. Do not eat as if you only had 30 days left. Don't do that. You're going to pay the price for it at the end of this series. 
The point of this is not to somehow get you ready to die in 30 days. Absolutely not. We believe that God has a long life for you, that we're believing for long life for you. But if we can train our minds to live as if we only had 30 days left, don't you think you would live for the things that are the most important? Don't you think you'd give your time to the things that truly matter? Don't you think you'd invest your energy where it really counts? And if you would do that with only 30 days left, why wouldn't we start living that way now? And stop doing the things that just don't matter. I don't feel like, I'm sure there are more than I'm aware of. I do hate spiders. I'm afraid of spiders, I guess you could say. It's not legitimate, but I, I might get a little girly scream every once in a while if a big one rolls across the floor. But I tell you what a fear of mine would be is becoming great and excellent at things that don't matter. I've got apps on my phone and Every once in a while, I can look and see how much time I've spent on that app, and it convicts me. And then I delete it. And then about a month later, I, I download a new one. And my point is, I want to be great, and I want to invest my time, and I want to give my life to the things that God would have me give my life to. So if I can imagine what life would look like for 30 days, and that's the end, boy, would it help trim up the fat. It's in my life. And the best way to do that, ladies and gentlemen, isn't for us to just paint a nice picture. You know, Bob Rossett, if you ever watched PBS, and he's just, you know, kind of mixing the brushes around, and he's got that nice little calm voice, and just put a little cloud right here, and little, nobody? No one you watched Bob Ross? Okay. You look at me like I'm crazy now. The afro, come on, the guy was amazing. The best person to look at to deem how, well, how we should live our life for the last 30 days would be the one who knew he was going to die in 30 days. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus knew when he had one month to live. And it's amazing to look and see how he spent his life with 30 days left. Because if we can follow his footsteps, here's what I can promise you at the end of this. You will be living a better more full, more exciting, more abundant life. And that's what we want. Turn to the book of John. It's the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here are the four things that we're going to talk about every single week for the next four weeks. Jesus lived passionately. He loved completely he learned humbly, and he left boldly. Those are the four things we see Jesus doing in his last 30 days. And here he is speaking in John chapter 10. And he says something about Satan that I find interesting. He says, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full to the fullest. Some of you might have a translation if you're reading from the message. It says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. Whew. 
I love that. I can dream some pretty amazing things. I posted a, a, a Facebook video this past week of a guy, I don't know if anybody saw it, laughing in his sleep. I mean, just laughing hysterically. It, is a, it was a great video. If you haven't seen it, check out my timeline. But my point is, <laughs> we can dream some pretty great things, can't we? You know what it's like when you wake up and you're just like, man, I wish that was true. <sighs> okay, well, back to real life. Well, Jesus is saying not that you just get to Bob Roth's your life and, and nicely just paint whatever you want, but understand there is a life truly surrendered to Jesus that is better than anything you truly have dreamed it could be. Jesus, I love the passion here. He's living passionately. I've come that they may have life, and he is offering it to you, and he offers it to me. The passionate life, the full life, the life worth living. 1 John 5, 11 through 12, John says that this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus has come to give us life, but not a just lame, I, you know, just, I wake up and I'm bored with my existence kind of life. Jesus has called you to the abundant life, the full life. The kind of life when you put your head on your pillow at the end of the day, you can take a deep breath and say, oh, that was a day well lived. That's the kind of life I want to live. And what's interesting, when Satan, when Jesus describes Satan as the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, uh, mind you, he wants to do that to your life, so don't forget that, but also understand how he goes about doing it. I don't know anybody uh, who, who looks at Satan's offer of the opposite and thinks that's a great offer, Say, as if Satan is offering you the miserable life. Jesus is offering you the great life, the full life. I'm going to offer you the empty one. And you don't look at that and think to yourself, yeah, I really like that. Let me hitch my wagon to that. That would just be amazing. No, you don't do that. Satan is deceptive. He masquerades as an angel of light. He, 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 he's tricky. He's a sneaky little dog. And what he does is he comes and he agrees with you. How many of you have done this? How many of you have experienced this? You, you look at the offer that Jesus has for you, and you think to yourself, that is really good, but just not for today. You know what? I know I really need to surrender my life to Jesus, like truly give it all to him. And you know what? Satan comes and says, you know what? You're right, you should. Just, just get to it another time. Just get to it someday. Get to it tomorrow. And so there's this repeated cycle of knowing that there's something better for us, knowing that we should be living a different way, but we put it off. I call it the someday syndrome, where we just live our life with someday in mind. You know what? I know I should be spending more, times, more time with my kids, but I'll just get to that someday. 
I'll get to that later. I'll get to that tomorrow. I know I should be content in my marriage, but I'll just, I'm just going to keep working and full throttle. I'll get to that. I'll get to a healthy marriage someday. I know I should find peace in my heart and forgive and forget or, 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 or let that go, but I can't right now. I need that. I'll get to it someday. It's a someday syndrome. And so many of us live our life thinking that happiness and peace and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control will all come at another time. Someday. And so we just keep our head down trying to live our life and eke it out and make it work and force it, knowing, thinking, somehow, buying the lie that it will be better then when Jesus is offering you better now. Right now. I'm not saying it's pain-free. I'm not saying there is not difficulty. But what I am saying is that he is offering you something different now. The passionate life. A free life. A life not weighed down by the pressures of the world. God's God loves the word today. And Satan loves the word someday. And when you feel yourself trying to put off what God is convicting you for now, you need to know that you are being tricked. That Satan is working his little puppeteer show and trying to steal, kill, and destroy what Jesus is truly trying to offer you. Does that make sense today? You guys with me today? Everyone do this. Just making sure you're alive. Little spirit fingers. You like that? Holy spirit fingers. Oh, brought it all back together, folks. Woo! Okay, wow. That was amazing. John 13, 1 says that Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Not only did Jesus live passionately, he loved completely. He loved all the way to the finish line. I love that. That that challenges me. I find myself at times wanting to live with conditions and love with conditions and and love temporarily or, or love a little bit here with reserve. But Jesus, knowing that the time was coming to an end, he wanted to make sure that the ones around him knew without a shadow of a doubt that he cared for them, that he loved them, and that he was in their corner. There was going to be no stone left uncovered when it came to Jesus and his affection and love for the people around him. He loved completely. And he did it all the way to the end. If you're going to live a one month to live mindset, not only does it get to, you get to change the passion with which you live your life, but you get to change how you love in your life. How many people wish, how many people wish they could have heard Words from their mom or dad that they just didn't get to hear before their mom or dad passed. How many people have lived their life with just a dent in their side 
wishing they had heard I love you, wishing they had heard I'm proud of you. If we're going to live one month to live, that means we've got to open our mouth and we've got to love the people around us and we get to tell them. You need to do what you've been putting off. You need to pour your time into the people around you and give it to them and make sure they know. And by the way, at the end of this month, don't stop. Continue doing it. Amy and I, we're, we're, we have the book for sale, which we're going to be going through as a church. But understand, we already know some things. Just, just if I had one month to live without reading the book, there are things that we would change in our home. The TV would be one of them. We'd be watching. If I had a 30 days left, I'd be watching a lot less. I know it. I'd be outside more. I'd be throwing the baseball more. I'd be hugging more. I'd be loving more. I'd be, I, would, I would do more of those things. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do those things. And we're going to make the intentional effort to adjust how we're living for the glory of God and for the people around us because we want to love completely. I remember when my dad passed away at 51. The day he died, I, I, was, I was in the driveway. I was getting in my car to leave to go pick up Amy to bring her back for Thanksgiving. We just started dating. And I had hugged my dad goodbye in the kitchen. And then for some reason, he was outside in the driveway. And I was in my car and I got out of my car because I just felt this tug to go hug him one more time so I got out of the car and I went and hugged my dad one more time and said I love you I got in the car and drove away and it was the last time I saw him alive he'd had a heart attack and I want you to know people never have regrets about saying I love you they never have regrets saying thank you or I'm proud of you or extending that hug. Being in ministry uh, for as long as I have, I've been with people who are at the end. I've officiated funerals. I've seen the tears. And there's a same, there's a, there's a commonality that people share when they, when they are getting close to the end of their days. And it's not, they never say, I wish I'd watched more television with my family. They never say that. They never say, I wish I'd spent more time at the office and just, I wish I could have grounded out a little bit more and made a few more bucks. They don't say that. They never do. They say, I wish I had said this more to my son or to my daughter or to my mom or to my dad or to my brother and sister, my friend, my church family. I wish I had done that. That's where the regrets begin to take root. So why not live that way now so that when the end eventually does come, you're not living with regrets. You're living the passionate, loved completely kind of life that Jesus is extending to you. Sound good? Sure does. Amy and I, not intentionally, I know I'm getting ready to say that we watched a movie even though I just have talked about watching less television, but we did watch a movie yesterday with the kids. It was up. If you ever want to just cry, just put on the movie up from Pixar and get ready for the tears to come. But it actually couldn't have been more timely 
Because here is the, the beginning of the movie. And the, the, the little penny dime jar gets broken all these different times, all these different times, and they weren't able to go on the adventure that they had been wanting to go on. It was the someday moment for them. And so don't wait like Mr. Fredrickson did in the movie Up to live your adventure. This is the life that Jesus has given you. So let's live it. Let's put everything we've got into it. And yes, I know that the, the next life is even better. And because I know that and because I give an account for how I've lived this life, I want to do it with the best, <laughs> everything I've got. As I get a little tongue-tied. I'm just living passionately. No big deal. You're just not living until you're loving. And so that's why we get to love completely. Paul writes in Philippians 2, he says that your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he did what? He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he humbled himself and became a man. Now, if you're God, we look at each other and we think this is pretty good. But if you're God, human, I mean, clothing yourself in the skin, the, 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 the decomposing body of a human that has, that has mortality, this is the epitome of humility, that you would step down from heaven, live this life, and then that you would even humble yourself to the point of death. When you could snap a finger and wipe these jokers out who have falsely accused you, who have whipped you, who have beaten you, who are sticking a sword in your side as you hang on the cross. You could Superman and breathe them and blow them away or freeze them or nuke them or laser eye them. You could do anything you want. And yet he humbled himself to the point of death. So what did Jesus do with one month to live? He lived passionately, he loved completely, and he learned humbly. Learned with humility. He humbled himself. Do you find yourself proud? Do you find yourself a know-it-all? Do you find yourself arrogant? Because knowing that an end is in sight has a way of, of bringing humility to you. It has a way of, of you letting go of the things that you've held on so tightly to. 
See, it's humbling to say, I forgive you. When somebody has hurt you, the way they've hurt you. And yet there's no better time than today to forgive, to extend forgiveness, to receive forgiveness. There's a humbling that happens. I'm not saying that that living one month to live, living with this kind of mindset is problem-free. Far from it. I'm not saying that it's pain-free. Far from it. But what I am saying is that as you experience pain and as you experience some of the problems, you need to understand that Jesus experienced pain and Jesus experienced problems as well. And we get to, you don't have to, you get to walk in the likeness of Jesus and humble yourself before a holy God as God makes you more and more and more into the image of his son. And so as you pray, God, would you take this problem away from me? God says, no. I'm going to take you through this problem, and it's going to change you to be more like my son. Jesus, would you fix this thing and just make it right, like right now? Sometimes, but more often than not, what I'm actually going to do is fix you, and I'm going to heal your heart and bring you through this thing, and it's going to make you into the appearance of someone that looks more like Jesus. If I've got one month to live, I want to live it to the fullest. I want to be passionate. I want to love completely, and I want my life to look like Jesus. I do. I want it to look like him. I want to be kind I don't want to be the guy that's, I'm not this guy, but if I was, you know, middle finger in the middle of the traffic because somebody cut me off. I want to have humility. I want to be made into the likeness of Jesus. Lastly, Luke 9, 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And that cross, his persecuting moment of of being arrested and beaten, that's going to happen in Jerusalem. And yet here he is. He resolutely sets forth the course to go to Jerusalem. He left boldly, didn't he? He was resolved. He was resolute. This is, this is happening. I'm doing this. And as we get closer to Easter, you're going to hear some of these events unfold in greater detail. But understand something. Jesus left uh, boldly. He lived passionately. He loved completely. He learned humbly, and he left boldly. He was resolute in his mission on earth and knew why he was here. I love his sense of urgency. Can you resolutely say that you are living the purpose that God has for you? Can you with resolve walk to the end of the finish line and say, I'm living the life that God has invited me to live?
that he's asked of me, that he's going to ask of me? Can you do it with great purpose and and resolution? And once again, the word is resolve and boldness. Because if you have a one, if you've got one month to live, you think about the impact and legacy that your life is going to leave behind. Am I living everything I've got for Jesus? Can I leave boldly knowing that I've honored God with my life? Jerusalem? Yeah. Let's go. Can you say that? Can you do that? See, knowing that an end is in mind, it gives you great clarity. People don't putz around with the, with the things that don't matter. They get busy living. And so can we think for the next 30 days as if our end was coming and therefore live like Jesus so that we can live like this not just for 30 days, but for the rest of our days. You were made to leave and to leave boldly.